Before downloading, consuming, or listening to this podcast, please be advised that there is adult language within this podcast. Those who are offended by adult language should not listen any further. Further to that, all views by our guests are that views by themselves, their opinions. They do not necessarily represent Studio M or the host. Thank you very much. Mood Boards, a design podcast by Studio M. Branding. Interiors, graphics, and the business of design. Coming at you from our Dubai studio. Welcome to this week's episode of Moodboard's Studio M podcast brought to you by me, Christian Stinson. On this week's episode, we have Gary Turnbull with us and we hear how he went from being a 17-year-old young whippersnapper in Dunfermline, flipping burgers for McDonald's, to heading up five guys in the UAE and having over 200 people working with him. We hear about how he develops stores, what he looks for in new sites, and his general story. It's riveting and one to hold on your seats for. We hope you enjoy it. As always, please like, share, comment, and uh, yeah, let us know what you think. Enjoy. Gary, thanks for joining me. Thank you very much, Christian. Okay, let's just kick this off with the usual. Give us an introduction into who you are and what you currently do. Yeah, so I'm uh, Gary Turnbull and I um, run the franchisee for Five Guys in the UAE. I've been doing this for almost five years. Been out in the Middle East and Dubai for oh, eight and a half years now. Got a wonderful wife, 12-year-old son. Um, oh, quick, early in with that. Early with the kid and wife. <laughs> <laughs> they're, on, they're on holiday in Scotland can, just now. So You can turn it off now, Mrs. Turnbull, you've been mentioned. <laughs> I wonder if she'd actually listen to it. be interested to know. <laughs> well, you'll find out if you didn't mention her. <laughs> yeah, very true. So you're running Five Guys now. Where did it all start for you? I, I threw it out to the Instagram listeners and I was a bit blasé about it. But uh, essentially, two weeks ago, we had the pizza guy, Ian Owen, from Freedom. Yep. And this week, I've got the burger guy. So I have... Yeah, well, I sort of, if you're going to pigeonhole a career, then burgers is probably where I, I should be uh, pigeonholed. I, I loved your uh, your build-up you put on Instagram as well, by the way. I might actually frame that for my house. But um, I started studying business in the UK, uh, and at the same time, we got a part-time job at McDonald's to get a little bit of extra cash. And then, obviously, liked it quite a lot and started getting involved in, you know, the pub scene, you know, with all this extra cash, and then decided to go... Uh, full time, they offered me, you know, more of a training sort of position. Very, very junior, still hourly paid in McDonald's, and uh, I just grabbed it with both hands, much to my parents' dismay. How old were you at this point? Seventeen, maybe. Yeah, seventeen. So essentially, you're going in there, McDonald's, with most people who are similar age, just all getting in there together, starting up. Yeah, I mean, my experience before this was a paper round. You Same. Know, <laughs> which, <laughs> which was uh, was also good, you know, teaches you to get up early and then uh, we got this in, in uh, McDonald's and I think it was my mum that helped try and get me this job and I'd done like two shifts a week, loved it and then, uh, you know, you met a great bunch of friends. I mean, actually the best man at my wedding was the guy that trained me on my first day in McDonald's. Wow. I mean, I was a little whippersnapper. But yeah, so I remember just they offered me this and I thought this could be great. You know, I'd seen the paychecks coming in, which were very, very small in probably today's world. But for me, this was like a... a but you're a 17-year-old in Aberdeenshire? Uh, no, this was in uh, Dunfermline in Fife. Right, okay. The kingdom of Fife in Scotland. Which is not exactly the most happening place in the world to be making money. No, no, no. <laughs> so no, not at those all. paychecks would have been mighty attractive back then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, and then that was it. And I remember I'd, I'd still to the day I die, uh, I'll remember phoning my dad to tell him that 
I'd quit my studies and went full-time at McDonald's. And you've never met my dad, but he's got the biggest hands I've ever seen on a human being. You know, so it was always a... Uh, it wasn't a very nice phone call, uh, but, you know, after that, he obviously fully supported me. And then I was very lucky to... Um, McDonald's in the UK at the time were going through phenomenal growth. And it was always the company that I worked for and never a franchisee. So, so sorry, just in perspective, is this mid-90s? Oh, this would be 97. Okay, yeah. And so, you know, huge growth. Uh, so lots of opportunities for people to get promoted. And I got promoted very, very quickly through the ranks and uh, moved to a store on, on the west coast of Scotland to open up in a place called Hamilton. Uh, then moved back to Edinburgh. Then I moved down to a, a border town called Galashiels. So done lots of moving and went where the opportunities were. And uh, eventually I got promoted to a, a, a store or restaurant manager, whatever you call it, 21 years old as all my mates were finishing uni. So it worked out okay in the end, but I'd love to sit here and have an MBA in my pocket, but, you know, isn't it be? Well, I mean, how long are you in the business now? Uh, 22 so, uh, years? Yeah, 22 years. That, yeah. Makes, that makes you feel old. I think, yeah, no, I'm not going to go into it. But then in that case, you have what we call in the entrepreneur world, a lifetime MBA. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. What are you, what's your degree in? Life. Uh, <laughs> I know, but there's a, lot to be, there's a lot of people who know a lot less about business than you <laughs> who have MBAs. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. But I always loved um, numbers. And so, you know, when you choose your subjects at school, so uh, for your exams, so mine were all chosen to become a stockbroker. I mean, I wish I was a stockbroker, actually, yeah. you know, because obviously, you know, what colour do you want your Ferrari and all that? But uh, no, numbers and, and whatnot, I just always loved. And so like P&Ls, even to this day, it's, I just love reading P&Ls and going through and thinking, well, if, if we do something like this, would it make it different or anything like that? So I don't know, it's just a bit of a weird fashion. Well, we'll come back on to that in a second. I just want to touch on the paper round. Because that's where I also started. Um, we're both uh, young Celts at the time. So I think we we're trying to get, what, seven, eight pound a week for the paper round? Yeah. Well, I, yeah. And a pick and mix on a Friday. Yeah, that, that you stole. Yes. From the, from the shop you were doing it. <laughs> yeah, I also remember stealing the pogs from the uh, Monster Munch packets and then putting the crisp back. Oh, yes. <laughs> Apologies to Sammy Newell, news agents <laughs> in Northern Ireland. Um, oh, I, I how much did it suck doing the Sunday papers? <laughs> Well, when all the magazines came out. Oh, I, I was I was different though because I um, I only done uh, Monday to Saturday. Oh, you a tramp. Um, so I well I had two. So I, I used to live in Aberdeen, and so when I had that one, I had this massive round, you know, and and it was so big when you got the bag, you had to rest on the the bar of your bike, right, because you just couldn't carry it around your your back, and so then you had to go this massive hill, and obviously in Aberdeen is, is same as Northern Ireland, right, the weather was never tropical. So you would do that, and I'd, I'd done that for ages, and that was a terrible paper round. I think that got me at the time, I don't know, like ten pounds a week because it was such a big yeah. uh, round. And then I'd moved down to Dunfermline and, and got another one there, and this was actually quite a good one. So you know, I'd always look for ways to improve it. So at the time, I was a, a rollerblader, not that you would know now, and uh, used my rollerblades to do it, and so kept fit and uh, done <laughs> it. But then worked out this only took me twenty minutes a morning. Right, and so I done it six days a week, and it was like eight quid uh, for the week. So it worked out at four pound an hour, right? Which at the time that's pretty good was phenomenal. Yeah, because that's going back to ninety-three, four. Yeah, I was probably actually delivering papers at the same time, and um, I was a hustler, so I always knew the um, houses that never were in. I would get the paper, you know, they just end up in the bin. So I used to sell them <laughs> on the side during the road. <laughs> so as I was cycling to their house, I would stop by and go to my paper. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it'd be a 20p paper and I'm like, 15p at yours. 
<laughs> oh, but then the Christmas tips, they, that was always the best bit as well. Did you get much of them? In Northern Ireland, no. <laughs> <laughs> the tips was, get a new job, son. <laughs> yeah, no, I remember, like, you knew the house, like, they, they are good, right? You always look after them, and then there was always the ones that are dicks. That yeah. Just, uh, oh, yeah, you always give the old ladies the love. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. How's your dog? Oh, he's a sweet. Yeah, the grandkids coming over anytime soon. Yeah. Yeah. But that was, uh, give them no. all my tricks. I know, but it was but good. Do, do people run it anymore? Is that just, uh, is that now like slave labour? I don't know. Does, I mean, newspapers are dead. Yeah, pretty much. Mm. I mean, it's online. Did you ever get in Northern Ireland, you had like a weekly free newspaper for your town or something? Right? Yeah. I mean, in terms of like, to get into that, you were a hero. Yeah, but in terms of the paperboy ranks, because I don't think they got paid that much, no. you know, and it was it was once a week, it was massive, and you always found them on a skip somewhere, you know, because they hadn't <laughs> delivered them. It's almost like in that um, Afterlife with Ricky Gervais, it's basically a junkie delivering it now <laughs> <laughs> on a work release program. <laughs> yeah. We could trust you with paper. How the paper round so, is, is disappeared. But then, okay, we're digressing massively there. But um, for me, it shows your work ethic from a very young age, similar to myself. Like, you were always out to make money. Uh, and, yeah. And, and, Bit of responsibility. Like, come from your parents, or was that just an inbuilt desire? Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, I was always sort of forced to get out of the house or, or do football or whatever. And then, uh, you know, swimming was another one that we did. And so we've done lots of that. But yeah, they're always sort of pushing me, right? Go, go and make some money if you want, you know, well, pocket money, I wanted, wash a car. I wanted the Peter Schmeichel Royce goalkeeper gloves. <laughs> and they were like £17 or something back in the early 90s. Which, I mean, nah, today's money must be like, I don't know, 50, 50 quid. quid. Yeah. And my dad pushed me out and went, get a paper round, son. <laughs> I never got them because I couldn't save enough money. And <laughs> ended up wearing the, uh, what did you call those, miters with yeah. the fingertips. <laughs> or what, when you remember those, uh, like the odd, no, the yellow netting ones with yeah. just some black stuff sewn on the fingers. Yeah. Oh, gross. I felt like Peter Shilton. <laughs> that was like turn up in like white, you know, remember the white gym shoes? Yeah. You know, uh, you didn't want to do instead of a pair of trainers. That's when you got the knockoff United jersey. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Where the badge wasn't sewn on, it was just there. <laughs> yeah, I think I think my mum got me once thinking it was cool, a NAFCO jacket. <sighs> you know, just that one that you just should have been burned or whatever, or the brand should never have came into existence. But uh, yeah, it was just the cheap rip-off version of something else. But yeah, so terrible. Yeah. Well, the thing is, so McDonald's at 17, that's a pretty... Tough learning ground. I mean, long hours. It's a pretty tight ship they run. I mean, how in terms of operations, is it quite tight? No, I mean, I, I mean, look, it's like any business. And, you know, when I was back then, you just, you had no idea of how the, the P&L works or labor percentage. You just went in. And um, as I said, it was always a company I worked for, never franchisees. And, um, you know, it was great. You know, on my application form, it was, you know, I can only work, I think it was a Wednesday night and a Saturday. That was it. And so... They had the hours, I think it was something like from 5 till 11 on a Wednesday, so um, they'd maybe schedule that exact shift or a 5 till 10 and then on a Saturday, because I was under 18, you couldn't work very late at night, so it was generally was a, a sort of day shift, it was a high street store, so it was busy during the day and oh, it worked perfectly and then you would finish, you know, 6, 7 o'clock on the Saturday night and, you know, all your friends would finish at the same time and you'd head to the... Uh, Local watering hole, right? yeah, and, and you just you, you picked and choose. And if you had, you know, you had to do some study or whatever when you came up, then you would just tell them, you know, I can't work this week and whatnot. So it was hugely flexible, and I, I think it still is today. Although I've been in, out of it for you know nine years now, but it was hugely flexible back then, and, and that was one of the things I loved about it. And, and I think uh, 
you know, it always has a, had a bad reputation for not looking after staff, but I would say the exact opposite. And to this day, you know, I could be sitting in a restaurant or whatever and I'll always stand up for McDonald's. And again, I'm speaking from the UK, I can't speak for the rest of the world, but, uh, you know, just a phenomenal company that always looked after the people always came out with, you know, great initiatives throughout the years I was there and a phenomenal business. Okay. How long were you with them in total? Oh, 15 years. Okay. So right up until, uh, yeah. wow. Okay. Mid 2000s. Till the, the Middle East. Oh, you came from McDonald's to the Middle East. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the one thing. So were you a regional manager? Did you work up to a regional manager status at McDonald's? Uh, yeah. So I, um. Okay. So I'm, I'm going to get the, I'm going to get the, uh, elephant in the room out of the way. First of all. McDonald's, I work at McDonald's. Oh, you've failed at life. You're a spotty-ass teenager who's sitting in Greece. And it's completely the opposite though, isn't it? Oh, It's without, a brilliant without. training ground for life. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, that's, as I said, I I think an MBA would give me connections to people. But, yeah. um, but I'm sure there's lots of kids you've worked with along the way who were supplementing their income while they studied or stuff and went on yeah. to good things. There's, I mean, there's so many kids. I mean, I was... Uh, I ran three stores as a, a store manager for them, and the last one was the city centre of Edinburgh. So you got loads of uni students coming in again, weekend jobs and whatnot. And a good number of those, once they'd finished their studies, again, transitioned to the full-time employment uh, within McDonald's. Because even as a part-time student, you know, they were still climbing up the ranks. There were still promotions for, for all these guys. And many of them, once they'd finished their studies, went into it full-time. So... The training was fantastic. The stuff they were implementing, even when I was there, such as apprenticeships, uh, degrees for their store managers, uh, yeah, it really was superb. And we had um, two conferences that I attended uh, for McDonald's. One was in Euro Disney. Another one, they flew all the UK people to Sydney for a week just for a conference as well. I say conference loosely, right? Because <laughs> it's like get off the plane, pub, you know, wake up a bit rough the next day sit in a chair and watch some stuff on a screen get a whopper well you know, that was close by you know <laughs> uh, but yeah it was just they really looked after you benefits I remember was fantastic I mean I, when I first came as store manager at 21 you know shared options and everything was given and that's back in very early 2000s you know so from that level, store manager above was all shared options, the company cars bonuses well, that's it because most people have seen the founder now and watched that film yeah, really and, cool. Uh, yeah, it was really, really cool. And um, actually, if you read the book, the Ray Kroc's book, it's a completely different perspective on it to the film. And it's actually a lot more, um, I find the book more interesting because it gives his perspective that the brothers, McDonald's brothers, were just weak business people and he exploited them. <laughs> um, Pretty much. So, yeah, but it was really quite interesting. From um, the point of view where talking about, you know, learning stuff as, as a youngster, based on my past, when you're at that level of QSR, customer facing, and working late nights, working midweek, you just come across people from all walks of life. You come across the lawyer that's taking her kids home and having a happy meal on a Friday afternoon. Then you have the single parent Saturday where the dads can take the <laughs> take the kids to the for a happy meal and go. Your mother wouldn't do this, would she? Yeah. <laughs> oh, dad, you're the best. Yeah. <laughs> you know the old cinema, the old cinema McDonald's days. Yeah, they drop the kids off you, again. You used to get a lot of them. Lot yeah. Of them. Then you have everything from um, just people obviously getting their daily meal, or so. I mean, what I said in that environment anything that's customer facing as a youngster if you can do it it's phenomenal in terms of it just sets you up in terms of dealing with different people from all walks of life in the future whereas if you're not exposed to that until after you leave uni I think you're at a massive disadvantage yeah and I think you know it was always very hustle and bustle so like if you I've never worked in say retail for example but I remember with the company that I first worked for out here 
you had to do once a year, you know, go in and do somebody else's job. And so I ended up working in a, a clothes shop for a day. And just, I mean, the amount of times I looked at the watch and, you know, when you think it's been an hour and it's actually five minutes and it was just, you know, unbelievably challenging for me having worked in F&B all my life. And so the great thing about McDonald's, man, was the hustle and bustle. And as you said, you're dealing with everybody and you were dealing with your colleagues as well were from all different walks of life, all different ages and whatnot, and you built well, great bonds. students or you could have ex-prisoners? Uh, yeah, yeah, pretty much. I think we had a couple of them. Yeah, I can imagine. Yeah, because they do actually a really good rehabilitation program that they have done in the past. Especially Maybe that was more in Northern Ireland. Maybe because we have a lot more prisoners than you during Possibly. the uh, 90s and 80s. <laughs> <laughs> so we did. But yeah, just I, I do sort of stand up for kids working, not kids, but anyone sort of 16 onwards working in that environment because I think you get a really good grounding in reality. Yeah, and I, I mean, I don't know what the, the future's going to hold because there's there's going to be less and less of this, you know? I mean, the paper rounds, as we said, I think are non-existent. What well, is- now we have the uh, the delivery board when you go in now to McDonald's where you have it all online, isn't it? They have a yeah. full graphic user interface. Don't even speak to anyone, but what, I mean, what is, what is the modern day paper round for kids, do you think? God... Uh, I was struggling about my hand on it because even the news agents are dying. Yep. <laughs> Retail is sort of dying in that sense. You know, there's too many jobs for not to go to kids. Again, this would be UK centric, but maybe it's vape delivery. <laughs> maybe. maybe. news agent shops go away, it just seems to be vape shops. It, yeah, there's quite a lot of those, isn't there? Did I miss something? Yeah, yeah the, what's the high street now? Primark, uh, pound shops, and vape shops, yeah. I think, is, is the high street these yeah, days. Pound stretcher, pound land, pound world, pound universe, pound planet. <laughs> You know, nothing's a pound. <laughs> Especially with Brexit, it'll become um, 1.42p. Have you seen the pound? No. Today. We'll get on to that another time. <laughs> no, I don't know what the modern day delivery or the modern day paper round is. And I suppose it's something that we deal with living in Dubai, that we don't have access for young kids to do jobs. Yeah, well, I, th- I think part-time working is coming in. I know... Uh, because uh-huh. you would be open to taking kids into Five Guys to release you for, like, if you had big events coming on, say, say your city walk store and you've got the Coca Cola Arena on. Because you got smashed a few weeks ago, didn't you? Well, smashed is a bit of a loose no, word. Yeah. A well run operation. No, smashed know. by people. <laughs> no, it, yeah, it was, it was hugely busy. And um, I think, you know, the business model is the same out here. Whereas, again, a Friday is your busiest day of the week. And, you know, when you have everyone on a salary, you've got to then. No, you'd queues out the door. <laughs> Yeah, Down the street good. in City Walk in the middle of June. It's good. We turned the music up loud, tried to get a bit of a party atmosphere. But um, but no, you have um, the same model where we'd gladly have people and say, not just for events, but as I said, a Friday or whatever. And I said, with the salary model here, we build our business to cope with a Friday. So it generally means you've got a bit of excess for the rest of the days of the week because you can't then say, well, I'm going to build my business for a Tuesday and then realise you don't have enough staff on the Sunday and you're going to cut your nose off to spite your face. So part-time working is good. And as I said, I think i um, got a friend running a business out here who uh, was speaking to him yesterday who's done a lot of part-time recruitment recently. And again, it's definitely something I think we would look into. Excellent, excellent. Taking you now from McDonald's in the UK to the Middle East, how did that come about? Like, where in the <laughs> world had you heard of Dubai? Had you think thought about it? Or yeah, well, I'd, I'd been a I'd, for my twenty first birthday. My mom and dad got me a ticket to Australia, and I remember that at the time British Airways and Qantas. So he forgave you for dropping out of your degree at that point. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Um, but at the time, British Airways and Qantas, I remember, were ridiculously expensive, and so. The, at the time, this was a travel agent. This was sort of online, was a very junior presence. I do remember travel agents. You went yeah. in, like, was it a Thomas Cook or something? You went Public in this brochure. 
Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, that hotel looks nice. So uh, we went in and said, look, you know, what other flights are available? Uh, and there was two, and there was like a Chinese airline uh, at the time, uh, which I can't remember, in this company, Emirates. Never heard of either of them. The lady in the travel agent was like, look, you know, the safety record of you know, the Chinese airlines at this time is not actually the best or whatever, but this Emirates is quite good, right? Never heard of them. So anyway, as part of it, we stopped off in this two-day stopover in this place, Dubai, that never heard of. And so I think we stayed somewhere around the creek, but we got a, a bus out and way out into the desert for ages to go to this place, Wild Wadi. <laughs> and so at the time, it was just like this water park, Burj Al Arab and the Jumeirah Beach Hotel in the middle of nowhere. And that was a great fun. And then so... I was when I first went to Dubai and then I was working at McDonald's and uh, I remember a recruiter had got in touch with me about a, a position that they thought I would maybe interest me. The position didn't interest me, but then she said, oh, there's this thing LinkedIn, you need to get, a, I'd advise you get a profile on that. So obviously I'm not the most IT savvy person as it is. So anyway, I went on LinkedIn, put my name and my position for McDonald's and uh, that obviously I worked for McDonald's and then I just got bored and done nothing about it. And there was maybe, I don't know, a year later, I got this email from this uh, company out here who uh, said, oh, I love your profile on LinkedIn. I'd like to speak to you about a <laughs> job in Kuwait. And I'm thinking, this is somebody taking the piss, you know? Uh, but curious. Like Gary Mack down the road. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I remember it well. I was on a, a course down in London and uh, there was another Scottish guy there and he'd got the same email that morning. And then I'm thinking, this is a bit dodgy, this. But anyway, Curiosity got the better way and I responded. And uh, I think I had three Skype interviews, got flown out to Kuwait for four days for face-to-face interviews, and then uh, they made me an offer. And that's how I ended up here. Although, I, no, it was going to be Kuwait. And then during the interview, they said, nah, I, think, I think you'd be better suited in Dubai. I think you said okay. <laughs> uh, absolutely. I, I remember phoning my wife at Kuwait Airport going, uh, right, they want to do Dubai instead of Kuwait. Because she was actually reasonably sold on, on the move to Kuwait. I'd been sending her lots of pictures. Uh, whilst we'd, I'd been on the interview and she seemed quite good and then uh, she seemed a little bit more chuffed when I said, oh, we're going to Dubai. And that was it. So it's for a different franchise? Yeah, yeah. So I, I helped uh, launch the brand Shake Shack in the UAE and then obviously helped with Qatar as well and loved doing that. Done that for three years. Phenomenal business. Because that was quite accelerated growth because Shake Shack was just a three-store concept in New York before it hit the Middle East. Yeah, well, I think, no, I think the Middle East, if I remember, was was maybe store number six or... It was Worldwide. Either, yeah, it was either six or seven. Yeah. And so they were, as you said, I think they had one, they just opened one in Miami. The rest were in New York. They're a very small business. Phenomenal people behind it in New York and still have the odd bit of contact with some of them to this day. And then they've just, you know, grown hugely through the company that I work for out in the Middle East. And then, you know, in the US after they went public and I think it was 2015, have went crazy again. But, oh, great business, great people. So you uh, didn't get share options when you negotiated this deal? <laughs> no. Oh, God, I wish. Man. Oh, man. Uh, but no, I left before that. But yeah. So that's, I mean, when you came into that role, that was a head of operations role or similar to what you're doing now? No, no, I, so I, I helped launch the first store in Mall of the Emirates. And then, as I said, I eventually looked after the UE and uh, Qatar as a sort of area manager covering those. So, is that your first time really getting into the crux of design and PL and operations? And No, because like in Scotland, obviously, I, I ran the north of Scotland for McDonald's. So, in terms of like PL and all that, absolutely. But the thing is that McDonald's is, is a massive company that everyone supports. 
McDonald's and McDonald's only. And so... Well, I'm deliberately not talking about the design of McDonald's in the 90s because it was bollocks. <laughs> yeah. A we're, lot sitting bit, on ha- a lot we're sitting on, ha- <laughs> we were sitting on hamburgers that swiveled. <laughs> There's nothing like getting a bit of bacon stuck up your arse. <laughs> oh, those, those plastic chairs were great as well. But the um, Although the Happy Meal toys have digressed badly over the years. They used to be awesome. There was one that had to get pulled, I remember, because it looked... Uh, really bad and all the parents complained Palic. yeah yeah um but no so you done p and l everything but again if there was a store refurb somebody does well, it I, I mean you. in the sense of this was the first time where shit's on you <laughs> uh yes and no because i mean the shit was on me in, in mcdonald's for p and l control i mean it was full control for that but then the difference i think here was Site selection was sort of something that I was part of a little bit with, with Shake Shack. And then obviously now with Five Guys, there's a lot more in depth, you know, that sort of probably... Well, with Five Guys, you're in charge of site selection primarily, yes? Yeah. What makes a good site? Oh, <laughs> like, like, just, uh, Sometimes it feels like just throwing darts and hoping one hits. Like, what does make a good site? Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, there's, there's a big stage of it where it's just like putting a bunch of names in a tumble and pulling it one and hoping it works because, I mean, it's all a guess and it's you try and make it as, as educated a guess as possible but at the end of the day, you, you'll get as much information such as footfall or, you know, for example, our, our City Walk store is a, a great example that we chose that particular site rather than an inside City Walk because we knew the arena's coming. Um, Which is smart because if you're inside City Walk, you wouldn't be doing it anywhere near as much. Yes and no. I mean, there's there's positive and negatives about both of them, but again, we're sitting here thinking we've got a great site there. It's the most beautiful store I think we've got in the, um, the Who designed portfolio. It? Uh, I think it was you guys actually. <laughs> uh, you should never you should never have a favourite, but no. just that is yeah. That's I think when you look at it from different angles and the lights, what was good, but it's it's my favourite to drive up at night time and see in the situation in situ. It's just gorgeous. Yeah, I mean, we got, an awesome development. Our, our marketing guy got a professional photographer to go around all of our stores. and uh, uh, Alex Jeffries. Yeah, <laughs> phenomenal. Amazing photographs. Yeah. Still waiting to get them sent to me for my portfolio. I'm still using my camera phone ones. Well, for a price, we can obviously share them with you, but <laughs> you'd have to speak to our marketing guy for that. But um, Mine look like they've been taken with a potato. <laughs> yeah. Oh, but no, but Alex's pictures were just phenomenal. But then with that site, you could say, yeah, we've got the arena, life is good, but what happens if there's not very many events there? And then it then becomes a site that's maybe not the best decision. Or if they have events every two or three days, then it becomes the best decision ever. Um, so, as I said, as educated guesses, um, you look at as much information as you can, footfall, trends in the market or whatever, but, you know, you get some right and you get some wrong. And a job is, I think, just to get more right than we get wrong. <laughs> Which touch wood we're, we're doing so far. Good on you. Now you have, you're in charge of five guys over here. How many employees have you got underneath you now? Not underneath me. No, you know what I mean. How many sort of you oversee? 230, uh, I think we've got in total. We're just in another batch of recruitment because we've got... Okay, um, sorry, I'm going to correct that as well. They're not underneath you because you are massive into team leadership and working with your team and everyone's equal. Yeah, no, we all are. There's, um, you know, which is probably why you corrected me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, quite- no, there's, there's obviously hierarchy within every business for a certain reason. But no, I think we want to empower our guys as much as possible. Everyone's the same. You know, again, there's one thing we never, we try and make our guys never say as sir or ma'am to anybody, right? And again, you know, even to us, you know, we've all got names. You know, we don't have sir on our bank cards or whatever. And so we don't even want them saying that to our guests. You know, we want our guests coming into the restaurant as if they're coming to your own house, and if somebody comes in your house, a friend or a, or a family member, then you don't call them sir or ma'am. So 
Je check the shoes off. <laughs> what? On your tiled floor? <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, it's a team or everything. And I think uh, I've, I've had the privilege of working in loads of teams in different stores and McDonald's and, and out here in the Middle East. But without doubt, this is the best bunch of guys I've, I think I've ever worked with, you know. Severe energy. Yeah, yeah, I know. They are phenomenal. I mean, they have such energy. It's unbelievable. <laughs> It really makes the store, I think, in terms of atmosphere. Yeah, no, but I think that's partly excited to see you when you come in the restaurants. Uh, maybe that's why you've seen so much energy from me. You know? Absolutely. It's you the know? beard. Yeah, I know, but there is comments saying they want the beard off again. <laughs> so no, that, no, so no, they no, can no. make fun. No, no, no. There's, uh, we've made that mistake plenty of times. <laughs> <laughs> I think you should do it again. Uh, you know, I'll do Movember again, and you've got to go the whole... Shave it all November. off? No, yeah. The problem is when I shave it off, I look like someone who shouldn't be anywhere near kids within 50 metres. <laughs> Exactly. That's why I want you. That's why I want you to do it. You know, with um, five guys now, I said you've got a great team. You've got awesome stores throughout the UAE. You're now shifting gears slightly, and you're going to do some delivery stuff. Yeah. No. It's um, we've been with our our partner Deliveroo for almost two years now. We're about to go into the first ever sort of central delivery kitchen. So this is the first time Five Guys has ever done it. We're nervous and excited at the same time. You know, we're putting a lot of effort in to make sure that the team goes in there again as the best of the best that we have within the business. Although I said, we think all of them are fantastic. You know, and we're interested to see how it comes out. I mean, I think, you know, you get people that like it, people that don't like it. But I think personally, delivery of some sort is the absolute future. You've just got to look here where you've got, you know, petrol getting delivered to your house. You know, you can go on an app and get your car washed at your house. You can pretty much do everything from that. So I think I still think you're going to need bricks and mortar, obviously, to make sure you've got a great presence in markets. But you're going to have to uh, have this delivery option as well. And we're seeing just phenomenal growth from it. That is, uh, It doesn't look like slowing down, which is pretty cool. Well, I wish it would slow down and then you might get me to design more stores. <laughs> Don't worry, they're coming as well. <laughs> Have you met the five guys, the guys? Yeah, yeah, we, we picked up an award at their conference in uh, May of this year in the States. Yeah, so the five guys is five brothers, family-owned business, their dad, Jerry. Yeah, so well, I think they originally started their dad and four brothers and then another son was born. So the five sons became the five guys and they are still involved on the absolute day-to-day run of the business. Well, I actually listened to a podcast with Jerry Morrell. He's uh, a cool guy. Yeah, he was on the How I Built This podcast with Guy Raz. Check it out if you can. Um, it's a fantastic story. How basically five guys were started because he blew his two kids' college fund. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, yeah. do you want to go to college? Do you want to run a business? Yeah. All right, we'll run a business. And, and he's still, yeah, and he's still very much uh, sit in my porch and eat my beans. <laughs> yeah, they are. They're, you know, phenomenal family, very, very down to earth. And, you know, they're stuck true to what they want. You know, well, you I just find it, I find it mind boggling. Me, um, say we design the stores, and then next day I'm getting emails from Matt Morell, <laughs> you know, one of the sons, one of the five guys, and I'm going, oh shit. I mean, they're that heavily involved in yeah. the process. And I think that's what makes it a great family success. Oh, no, without a doubt. And I said, I think I believe they have weekly meetings every Tuesday, the family, where they have arguments, discussions, sort stuff out. And uh, and I said, they've stayed true to their values. I mean, go and name me another business out there that has, you know, burgers and fries that are, you know, as I said, just beef. You know, there's no chicken, there's no fish. And they've just said, let's do burgers and fries and let's try and do it as good as we can. I do applaud that. I mean, they haven't succumbed over here because they thought, obviously, with a large Hindu and you know, market and stuff here, they would change it and they haven't. Yep. I actually find the podcast phenomenally interesting because a lot of people talk about Five Guys and how it's ridiculously expensive. I mean, it's a fair comment, 
But if you actually listen to that podcast, you realize that when Jerry Morrell started the company, he said to his sons, get me the best of everything. <laughs> they didn't know what the prices were. They just wanted the best tasting of everything. Yep. And then <clears throat> that's how they made it work. Until this day, they still use the same suppliers that went with them. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I think... Pure quality you're eating. Yeah, I mean, look, you know, there's... The only proprietary item in Five Guys is the bun. Right? Yep. And that is the secret sauce where it holds the product together. It's not going to fall apart in your hands. But again, so if you take the beef patties, every single day and every single store worldwide, these are hand formed. The beef comes in as ground mince, right? And, you know, our team every single day will hand form it to the exact weight of the pie. Every single pie is weighed. Every single pie is balled to make sure it's tight enough. And so it's really handcrafted for you. The fries, as you can see, when you come into the store, you see bags of spuds in the line. They are the fries you're going to eat that day you know we have deliveries seven days a week so literally they've been washed that night delivered that morning and they will be cut at some point during that day uh, you will eat those fresh and so again they're all hand cut there's no freezers for fries or whatever tomatoes hand sliced onions hand sliced the lettuce no knives are used in lettuce because again they think it takes away the taste yeah. start curling up at the edges if you've used the knife in it and so there's there's loads of these little cool things that they do because again they want it to be as fresh as it can be yeah and that's uh, part of the reason for pricing structure as well <laughs> yeah no and we're always you know really conscious in the market you know we don't want to be overpriced and and again we got to make sure that we are uh, great value for money and that's again what the five guys thing does is where you know if you go in and look at a little cheeseburger little cheeseburger is pretty much a normal burger that you would get in any other restaurant yeah. whereas if you go and get a cheeseburger i mean it's a, a meal in itself even without fries for me anyway yeah, pretty heavy and so then when you get the fries again you go and look in your bag and you'll just see fries overflowing so in this the, the food is similar to the design in my opinion right where a lot of people don't realize they look at a face value and think oh, it's just burgers right <laughs> or it's just red and white tiles but they don't realize the complexity behind it. Now, you've broken it down slightly with the food complexity. But even the interior design, yes, it's red and white tiles. We get that. <laughs> but operationally, it is one of the hardest things we design full stop. Sorry for that. No, but it is extremely technical what goes on behind the scenes. What is your average amount of versions that you do for each one of our stores? <laughs> <laughs> I think we go through around, I would say, let's go to 12 test fits. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and uh, the concept, well, the concepts are funny because you guys always nail it the first time and we get it right. It's when it goes to the mall and they're like, it's red and white tiles. Like, yeah. yeah, that's the brand. Do you think you want to maybe just throw some blue in there or some? No, no, no. We, we can't touch it. <laughs> this is a 5,000 store brand, roughly, is it? Is it 5,000? Oh, uh, no, 1,600. Oh, I just made that up completely. It's a 1,600 oh, store. You know your client, eh? I know, right? No, dearie me. Yeah, maybe I was thinking about Donald's. <laughs> <laughs> it's a 1,600 store brand. I was like, we can't just change the design. <laughs> No, and it's been the same ever, I think. Uh, you know, I mean, if you go into a restaurant, you'll see that there's all white tiles and there'll be five lines of red tiles on it. And that obviously represents the five suns. And again, those tiles are only from one place in the world. Very, very difficult when you build a store to put them on because we always have to rip half it out and start again because they're squint or, or whatever. So, yeah, it's pretty challenging. Yeah, try to draw them up and sketch up. And <laughs> <laughs> I think Nikki came to me one day and went, if you design, make me design one more five guys i'm out of here so we <laughs> give her three she's still here you know <laughs> do, and does a great job now do you think there's gonna be much change in terms i don't think there will be in terms of they'll just 
No, I mean, I think... Uh, you you know, know, they've always stayed very true. It's very Americana. I don't see digital and all that coming in. Yeah, I mean... It like, works. Never say never. Uh, I mean, like they made... Uh, Barack Obama tried to get a delivery to the Pentagon years ago, and so they refused him. And so if you go and type in Barack Obama Five Guys, you'll see him going to Five Guys near the Pentagon. And so he came in and done that. And so they've changed, and now they've, they've gone to delivery, which was always a massive a massive no, because they wanted people to come in and experience the stores. So look, digital or whatever, never say never, but I, I think it's good, great the way it is. You know, it's, it's different. It's been like that for 30-odd years, and it's worked so far. Why do you need to change if it's not broken? Well, I say, in terms of operationally and us designing it, the fundamental for me is it is a proper QSR. You know, you're never any more than seven minutes from your order to sit down. <laughs> Yeah, and it's a well-oiled machine, and you get to see. It doesn't matter how busy you are. It doesn't matter if you've got you know, fifty people out the door or two people in the restaurant. It's the same production time. Yeah, and and that's maybe something different again. If my McDonald's days, you know, it would be the complete opposite. You're trying to just churn as much through the registers as you can, and you hope the kitchen survives. But um, you know, with Five Guys, it's all about you know we don't want you to wait a long time before you get to a register. But if it's you wait an hour or whatever, or to, in a queue, then you would rather you wait an hour in that queue. But when you, as soon as you place your order, it's going to be maximum seven minutes, and yeah. you're going to get that fresh food. That you're going to see created in front of you. You know, it's nothing's held or whatever, and you can see your burger sliding along the table and uh, trying to interact with. I the always order the milkshake first just to keep me waiting for keep me <laughs> keep me company for seven minutes. Oh, they they're are unbelievable. Good. I mean, yeah. they're, I don't even know. I don't want to know how much calories are in them because I don't ah. want to ruin it for myself. Oh, uh, was it, uh, I think August where we'll be putting our calories on the menu. Oh, really? Mm. Oh, that'll be interesting. That's becoming law, is it? Yeah, I think uh, end of October, but we're going to try and get it ours done a little earlier. Okay, well, we'll just give that away now. But it's a treat, you know. If you eat burgers and fries every single day, then you're going to be probably similar size to you and I well let's uh, get but, on to that because you have been <laughs> eating burgers since you were uh, a whippersnapper you're no longer a whippersnapper how in the, the lord's name do you keep yourself in shape uh, apart from wearing black every day and looking streamlined <laughs> talk to me about running through deserts ah uh, yeah so uh, last year I ran Marathon de Sable in the Sahara Desert Explain what that is in layman terms. It just started off a, a, a mate. So like I'd done, I think, was it five or six marathons before that? So like somebody in, back in 2006, I'd never ran in my life and a mate said, oh yeah, you know, let's go and try and start running, do a marathon. So we agreed to do New York Marathon. And uh, from never ran in my life, this was in, I think, the January, the race was in November, managed to do it. And then I think I'd done three Dubai or maybe, no, two and a half or... Yeah, I think two and a half to buy marathons because I had to pull out of one uh, due to a lack of training. And then uh, I done Great Wall of China Marathon in 2017. And then my... Oh, shut up, mate. Right, stop rubbing it in. I know, but you've got to get get the story. So then uh, I was done. Right, I remember you did the Great Wall of China because you sent me a selfie and you looked fucked. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, no, I was. I mean, I've even still got a video saying, I'm fucking done with marathons. (laughs) Oh, this is stupid. So anyway, so after that, I was done with it. I thought I'll do a, try maybe do a 10K career. And then another friend sort of bullied me into this uh, Marathon de Sable and uh, done it last April. Did you know what it was before you signed up? A little bit. And then I started looking more online on YouTube and I thought, oh, fuck. <laughs> um, I mean, Explain the, to the listeners what it is. It's so a to Google it. self-supported race uh, of 250 kilometers across the Sahara Desert. So it's basically a marathon day one, marathon day two, marathon day three, double well, marathon. carrying a tent? 
No, it's not even a tent. It's like a fa- bit of fabric on sticks is what you get on the desert floor. And that's all set up for you every night. And the, you get your water from this, the race organizers, but it's rationed. So you've got to make sure you can keep the water for cooking and drinking, but everything else. So your medical supplies, your sleeping bag, your food for the week, suntan lotion if you want to dart, change of clothes, everything. You had to carry that. But you had to then unpack it every night and then pack it again. And, you and know, run. Yeah. Marathon. In the desert, yeah, but uh, it was it was brutal and epic in equal proportions. But yeah, done it. Never to be done again. <laughs> yeah, I don't think I'll do something stupid as that. But I think uh, I, I do need another challenge to try and get into because if I don't have something in the future to do, then I just start becoming lazy. So right, because you are a very busy guy. You have all these stores you're looking after now in the UAE. In total, we're looking at uh, I got, seven. I'm trying to work out how many I've designed. Seven. You've done. <laughs> you've done six. With another, done six. Another two in the pipeline that you're doing. Yes. Okay. You do believe in separating work and life. Very. You try your hardest to have a balance. Is it important for you to have that? If you ask my wife, then uh, it'll be no. Mm. Uh, unfortunately, the phone is is the death of me of trying to respond to stuff. But uh, yeah, no, I, th- I think you should. And you know, again, we launched. For our, our team uh, last year, we changed them all from instead of working six days a week, which is uh, the norm and hospitality and retail here we change them all to work five day a week so our teams have better work-life balance and you know it's just little stuff like you know we want we always want people to take their holidays and never not take them because and it's the same for me because you use a holiday you get refreshed and whatnot and come back and hopefully do a better job than what you were doing before you went so yeah no i think trying to separate out working life is is important but the phone is the death you on uh, tpc sawgrass recently hitting a few golf balls that's that, the life balance part is that the life balance was oh. that part of the five guys conference no, that was, uh, I went out a week before to Florida to do a bit of golfing. Do a was... for the conference. Exactly. You yeah. don't want, want to land there. We have jet lag. And whatnot. Oh, so I went course. a week. I mean, you don't want the morels looking at you like a bag of shit. Exactly. So I went a week earlier and oh my God. I mean, that is a bucket list <laughs> stuff. If anyone is a golfer, TPC Sawgrass, just unbelievable. Well, look, there we have it. We have a guy who's 17 years of age, flipping burgers in McDonald's in Dunfermline of all places. <laughs> Right, to now <laughs> playing TPC Sawgrass, which is one of the world's greatest golf courses, bucket list, to running marathons through the desert over 10 days, doing 250k, to trying to get work-life balance, having over 200-odd people working with him in Five Guys. It's a pretty good story, mate. That's all right. We'll, we'll yeah. keep working on it. We'll keep 17-year-old Gary would have, uh, would have jumped at it. Yes, yeah. I'd probably laughed at it. You go, mm-hmm. nah, that's not me. Suddenly, uh, dropping the old degree wasn't a bad idea. Yeah, you know, you never know. But it's hard work. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you still you still actually get in the stores every now and again and flip? Uh, yeah, I'm pretty bad at it. I'm, I'm really good at milkshakes. Um, <laughs> fries. One for you, two for me. <laughs> fries, I'm awful. Because there's no, um, everything's training. There's no there's no timers. There's no nothing. Everything's by the eye and you got to do it. So I see that. You do a taste test every morning. Or every, you know, you've set taste test twice a day. Yeah. Where stuff gets thrown out if it's not up to par. Yeah, yeah. And it's such fine lines. Five seconds more, five seconds less. And it doesn't taste as, as good as it should do. But yeah, I'm, you get in and do it as often as I can. But I'm terrible at fries, I must admit. Well, good on you. That is an epic story and uh, one I hope people will enjoy listening to. Before you go, do you have time to read much? Is there any good books you can recommend us that have sort of kept you on your journey throughout the years? Audible is what I'm into now again. So even reading books is disappearing because you uh, get in the car and you have it on Audible. So the GE one, the guy Jack, 
I can't remember it, the name, but yeah, I thought that was a phenomenal book. Obviously, he's a very divisive character because I think he's done quite Kirk a Welsh. That's the one, yeah. Yeah. He's obviously maybe not helped with pension funds as much as he should have done, but I thought his book and his story was really, really good. And then there's other ones that you go back to, I think uh, Covey's Seven Habits uh, in terms of business books and whatnot, but I was actually a good read, yeah. Yeah, but a lot of these books you read, you know, are pretty rubbish, to be honest. And as long, yeah. as, long as you take one thing. Yeah. Um, oh, what's an argument? The, the subtle art of not giving a fuck. <laughs> I haven't touched it yet because I was like, there was so much hype about it. I thought, I don't want to be disappointed. Let's actually speak to someone who's read it. And the problem is, I said to my wife, I'm going to read it. And she was like, you basically might as well have wrote it <laughs> because you don't give a fuck. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, yeah, maybe I'll pass on it. <laughs> Just a different perspective. But uh, no, yeah, I mean, I, I, as I think of everyone, I should read more but that audible is a lifesaver just because you don't realize even if you're going from your house to the office or a store or whatever it's on a, a 20 or 30 minute drive right if you do that twice a day or whatever then that's an hour and so a book might only be 10 hours and so within a week or whatever you've done another I, book under I, your belt i'm massive into obviously podcasts and audible because it's just consumption of information i'm tired of listening to the radio here Yes, I'm tired of listening to the same playlist <laughs> on my uh, Apple Music. So yeah, for me, it's just easy access to consumption of information. Yeah, I agree. What about any apps that you guys are using at Five Guys to keep control of everything? Have you got any good apps you're using? I mean, we use Asana here and a bit of G Suite, but are you uh, mainly look after yourself or do you just get everything sent to you? Apps internally, whatever. It's not really apps, more more programs. We've just finished a trial and we're going to start using it in a couple of weeks' time called Zenput which is, again, an online platform where all the stores are going to be able to do their checklists and, and whatever. And, you, again, live information. You can tell if somebody's managed to do it, not done it. If there's an issue, there's pictures loaded up and whatnot. Um, and that looks really, really cool. So we're, we're pretty excited about that. And then, again, we use a, a big sort of back-of-house system called Crunch Time, which is, again, phenomenal. And that is obviously brand sort of supply type thing but in terms of obviously your back house stuff just phenomenal piece of software i think it was guys out of mit or something you know, designed it a few years ago but top notch well good on you that will cover us for today mate thank you so very much for coming in um mm. unless there's anything else you want to discuss no i know you want to put me on the spot for my delivery comments in a previous podcast <laughs> but since um since my cars have been smashed this week by one of their drivers, I think they've got their own back. Hey, look, as I said, each to their own, and everybody wants to do business in a certain way, and, and you know, good for them. And, uh, <laughs> you know, I genuinely do have to get my car fixed now because, yeah, a delivery driver went into the back of it. That is a shame. I hope the driver's okay. <laughs> he is, thankfully. And I hope you're okay. Well, yeah, at the end of the day, it's just glass and steel at the end of the day. So he was okay. But uh, I found out they didn't send him to whack me. <laughs> <laughs> Mate, all the best with uh, upcoming stores. We've got Festival City coming up soon. Yeah, yeah. And Should then, that be um, uh, quarter we, three? Yeah, we can't tell what else we've got. We've got a few other little nice ones coming up in the pipeline. Always looking. Always looking for more. Gary Turnbull on LinkedIn and Instagram is Gary Turnbull as well, is it? Uh, is it yeah, Turnbull? Gary Turnbull one, I think. Yeah, only one. He's pretty, pretty boring though. He's Scottish. He watches Highlander. <laughs> <laughs> there can be only one. <laughs> yeah, I think the Instagram's just full of people in kilts, you know, <laughs> stereotypical and all that. Look, thanks so much for coming in. Really enjoyed having you. Awesome story. Um, yeah, and I'm sure it'll inspire plenty of other people out there. Uh-huh. I have now to go back to have nostalgic feelings of my paper round. <laughs> Would you do it all over again? Absolutely. I've, I've got one regret about moving to Dubai, and that's that I wish I'd done it when I was younger. Good on you. That's probably the only it's regret. It's a good way to end. Thanks very much, mate. Cheers. <laughs>